How many of you have seen um, the movie Hidden Figures? Oh, good. Well, I saw it with my wife, and uh, I promptly got, went home and bought the book. And I got the book, and I'm about, oh, 20% through the book. Uh, book's fascinating read, if you haven't done that. Uh, so I bring that up because this is Black History Month. And um, it's also President's Day weekend, and so typically on holiday weekends, we do something in the nature of a TED Talk. So I'm doing that, and I'm doing it with um, Black History Month as the theme. Um, what struck me about this Hidden Figures movie and the book is that it was personal stories. And um, I think that the narrative is very powerful. When you hear people's stories, uh, it really grabs your attention. And I think the other thing about people's personal stories is it's not something that you can argue with or rebut. It's here's their experience, and they're sharing their experience. And you may not like their experience. Um, you may have other experiences. It may be foreign to you, but people's experiences are valid. And that's what I like about that. And so I, I went on to the, um, the TED, Talk, uh, TED Talk land, and I looked for some personal stories. And that's what I'm going to do today. Um, so why don't we do the first one. Um, I have Mark Stewart, uh, who's a singer. Uh, uh, Clint Smith, who's a, uh, a writer and an activist. And um, uh, Jed... Jedida uh, Isler, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, she's a PhD in astrophysics. Um, so I have those three stories this morning. Um, can we do that first one? I, I really like the line in there about uh, getting baptized at Walden Pond and talking about um, the baptism being thorough, a play on, on, on our... Uh, Transcendental friend. Uh, okay, um, so I have another one here, um, Clint Smith. Can you scroll down and, and find that on that page? further. Uh, there it is. So um, how many people have heard of Clint Smith? Okay. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about the man you just heard, and some of it will make a little bit more uh, sense to you. He's a writer, poet, and scholar. He was part of the winning team at the 2014 National Poetry Slam. So you got a little bit of that at the end where he he, he, he ran on a, with a riff there, and it may have been a little hard to follow because um, he was putting a lot in, in just a few words. Um, he published his first book of poetry called Counting Descent uh, just last year. He grew up in New Orleans, attended college at Davidson, graduated in 2010, taught high school English in Washington, D.C. That was his reference to the, to the students, the poor students. Um, and uh, he's doing doctoral work at, uh, at Harvard right now. Um, okay, so we've had two stories so far. Um, and now uh, I've got a third one. 
Uh, and this one is a woman who is the, um, the first uh, PhD uh, woman astrophysicist, black woman astrophysicist from, um, from Yale, okay? Okay, um, I hope you found that stimulating. Um, it was a lot to take in, especially since I gave you three different presentations. Um, so what I'd like to do now is open up the, um, the, the floor to people's comments, observations. Uh, I'll bring you a mic and, and we can share thoughts. Uh, anyone want, want to go and say something? Good morning. Um, I'm ta I wanted to comment with regard to the last speaker, Dr. Isler, I guess it is, huh? And, uh, okay, even closer? How's that? Okay. Yes, all right. Maybe we'll figure it out. Huh? The, uh, I first went to, gra I went to graduate school in the 50s. At that time, there was a sprinkling of females, white. And I think best in, they weren't really overtly hindered, but w one of my colleagues, a female, did write at one time. She said, well, if you're a female in grad school, it was a big grad school, by the way, uh, he says, you have to be kind of better than your, your male contemporaries. She says, fortunately, that's not difficult. <laughs> Uh, that, another comment is that as the years have rolled by since the 50s, I think uh, minorities in, in, in science have more been welcomed than hindered, and I'm pleased. And we, and we still have progress to make, but the trend is in the right direction. Okay. The, the, the orc of progress, etc. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, Carl. Um, I had encountered a uh, New York Times magazine article by Eula Biss uh, titled um, Reckon uh, It's called White Debt. Uh, Reckoning with what is owed and what can never be repaid for racial privilege. And uh, it also was uh, used um, by Krista Tippett in, on whatever her program is. <laughs> uh, and it was um, something that not only applied to blacks, but I found that uh, in the article, it would apply to Native Americans as well. Uh, she was uh, reading to her five-year-old son when he was homesick one day uh, of Laura Wilder's uh, Little House on the Prairie. And uh, he was hearing about uh, French speakers in support of in Indian territory 
that was violated by the 1830 Indian Removal Act. And her five-year-old son said, I wish I was French. <laughs> so, you know, the identities that you might want to assume, uh, it seems like uh, being aware of things like we just witnessed in this uh, TED Talk series, uh, that we have white debt and there are a lot of things that can't be repaid unless we pay attention. Thank you, Carl. Hi. Is this all right? Uh, a crossroads that most people don't think about, I lived through, is an immigrant family. My brother and I were the only two members of the family who were born in this country. And the rest of them, the, except my mother, were born in what was then sort of called Germany. My grandfather would say, Ich bin Deutsch nicht. Ich bin in Pomerania geboren. I am not German. I was born in Pomerania. And that was the time when Bismarck and the first Kaiser were building up the initial stages of the German Empire, which did not uh, exist then. And the crossroads for the teenagers, which my grandfather was, 17, were either to go into the Kaiser's army and probably be killed or work on the railroad with a similar identity. And uh, that didn't appeal to him, so he got on a boat and came over here. And over here, the crossroad was really inevident because it was the beginning of the Depression, and with a German name and a German enemy, the people who were at the crossroads of Germany and the United States were in a really tough position. One baker we knew went to the black market and was put in jail. And my father stayed out of the black market, but the business was pretty poor back then because that's when mechanized bread and cakes and ice cream were coming into style. And his handmade break, uh, cakes, breads, and ice, ice cream were uh, a little bit cheaper than his handmade although his were much better. So I guess my family went through several crossroads, uh, national, international, age limits, name, all kinds of things, not, not racial, I wouldn't call it racial, but nationalist crossroads. And um, I remember it very well. I was born in 24. So in 34, my consciousness woke up. And that's about the time when my family had many crossroads, economically, at home, and feeling 
half German, half American, a little bit Polish. So these crossroads aren't always racial, as most people that heard these talks think. All right. Um, does anyone else have a comment on, on what they saw? Yeah. Oh, by Isler? I, I don't know if uh, uh, Isler's done any other TED Talks, but if she has, I'd love to hear them. She's, she's a very eloquent speaker and uh, extremely thoughtful. That was really well done. Thank you for introducing her, us to her. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, uh, I think certainly one thing about the TED Talks is that anyone who gives, gives a TED Talk is, is really selected for for that ability to, to speak and to present. Um, I think I had some other information on her, uh, but I put it somewhere else. Um, so I just wanted to, um, we're almost out of, out of time. Um, oh, there it is. Yeah, so there's that monthly web series, that Vanguard, uh, Conversations with uh, Women of Color in STEM. So it looks like you can get uh, more information. I imagine that's on the web. I haven't looked for that, but I imagine that's on the web. Yeah, it was. Um, I wanted to echo a little bit of, of what... Um, Lou Agnew was saying about uh, being in in grad school. I was in grad school in uh, the late 70s and um, had both women and uh, one black PhD candidate in in my class. And it was very clear that even in in the late 70s, uh, the women really had to struggle, um, that it was hard for them to be taken seriously as the males were. And... um, and we, our, our black student came from, uh, from Caltech, and, uh, and he had a struggle too. And it was interesting because uh, thinking back on the other people in my class, you know, we were a bunch of guys all over the map and uh, with our own peculiarities. Uh, some of us very talented, other of us kind of a little odd and, and maybe outliers, and not everybody destined for success. And I think that's one of the things that um, maybe didn't come through with Isler's talk. She talked about going for a PhD and how her difficulty revolved around her identity. But the difficulty she didn't mention is that it's hard to get a PhD. You have to really put yourself out there. You have to have some creativity. You have to do a lot of hard work. And just because you're accepted to the Ph.D. program in astrophysics at Yale doesn't mean you'll necessarily get one. You know, not everybody who starts out gets one. And so she had the usual um, challenges to meet plus these other challenges. And uh, I can only imagine how discouraging it must have been. Here you are doing your best from 
her background and economic circumstances and then to have these other social impediments put in your way. Um, it's, I think it's a real testimony to her that she came through all that and was successful and now apparently is giving back, um, uh, doing, doing this work with, with STEM and promoting other people. I also found it very interesting that it was American Physical Society poster that inspired her to get back into her studies. And, uh, and that, I think, is an interesting um, kind of theme. You know, what do we do when we encourage young people? How do we reach them? What does inspire them? I, I think that's, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, something we try to do in our church, too, in our church school. We try to inspire young people. Um, my wife had this little sign, and it said, uh, nothing you do for, for youth is wasted. And I, I think that's, that's a truism. Um, so anyway, thank you for coming today, and uh, I hope you're inspired to uh, look into this issue a little further.